dress Polka dots in my head Never saw it coming And I can't remember what I did drink or maybe two I wandered in to a busy room my head was spinning I lost the time and I got confused Senator Kennedy I never meant you I just remember thinking how good you are Welcome Dave Thank you Thanks for coming Welcome back to, to the you. podcast as well <laughs> to your conspiracy dad studio. I'm so glad that we're doing this and I'm not just saying that in like a canned, uh, like let's have a conversation to start out the podcast way. Like, no, I'm really, I, uh, I think that this is a fascinating conversation and a fascinating way to look at reality. Yeah, I think so. It, uh, it, you've got insights into, I don't mean you, one has insights into how people operate. And for me, the fun thing is to plug existing insights into theories that are working about some of these topics and go, yeah, I've never really seen anybody behave that way. But then occasionally somebody in an, in an account of something in a conspiracy theory, they say, well, he was acting like that. And I go, Yes, I've definitely seen people act exactly <laughs> like that. So what I, I wanted to start out this week talking about, and this is something I meant to kind of start the podcast with, but um, the idea of like why any of this matters. So that's usually the the mouth breather response to, to any of these things is why, why do you even care? Like, why do you care <laughs> if we landed on the moon? Yeah. Why do you care... It, who killed JFK. And um, you could go down the line with a lot of different conspiracy theories. And that is the question is like, what, why do you care? What does it even matter? Does mm -hmm. it matter? Is it is it important or not that uh, we know who killed the president of the United States? And that I, I picked that one as the first episode because I think that's that's the crux of it. Like that's where you could say, this is why this matters because my thoughts are that I think that JFK's assassination sets a precedent and like a baseline for a lot of other things that we're looking at because with a lot of conspiracy theories, you could say um, like your gut reaction to initially is always like with any, anything somebody says, tells you some story um, how far fetched, that might seem is going to play a role in, you know, 
whether or not you take it seriously or you even even pay attention to it. So if, yeah. if somebody tells you that the earth is flat, you're like, that's pretty far-fetched. Yeah. It's pretty well proven that it's not. So you don't even really give it much time. But with the assassination of JFK, if if we establish, not you and me, but like many people, even his own family now and, and many people for decades are establishing you know, that he was not killed in the way that we were told that he was killed. And in fact, that it was probably as a result of information, people within the government, our own government doing it, that there's, there's lots of things going on, but then that, that means that there's disinformation campaigns going on. That means that many of the things that people obsess about and the conspiracy, the wild conspiracies about this and that, like, that's not true. But if you establish that, yes, in some way, whether it's rogue CIA or sanctioned CIA or sanctioned some other agency that you don't even know exists, decided that they were going to assassinate our president live on TV in front of everybody or what, you know, wasn't live, I guess, or um, on camera. Well, then it kind of makes all these other things that seem pretty extreme, more plausible because, you know, any of those other other things, if you say, did they fake the moon landing? Like, that's would they would they go through all of that trouble just to fake the lunar landing? Like yeah. that seems ridiculous. But then if you stop and go, well, to what extent and what to what extent are these people willing to go in covering things up and lying about them? And how big could the lie be? Like I would argue, you know, if if the government killed JFK or played a role in killing JFK, mm -hmm. then the lie, that's as big a lie as you could come up with. I mean, since we were kids, we've been told straight through public education, you know, this is what to believe. This is what to believe. You can go down to Dallas and there's a museum and everything's staged and it says, this is what happened and believe this, believe this. And decades and decades of news coverage to say, this is what you should believe. That's a hell of a lie. If that's not true. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's, Operation Mockingbird and, you know, paying hundreds of millions of dollars to New York Times and, you know, Wall Street Journal and lots of publications to tell people lies. So, yeah, that's why I think it matters because then, you know, anything's on the table as far as, well, this isn't the country, the country we live in isn't the, isn't what we thought it was. Yeah. I heard someone say that recently about, it. I can't remember who it was, but that's always been my thought about is, and I was genuinely shocked to come to the idea that I think that there was some sort of conspiracy to kill the president. And my thought was like, Oh my God, this, the country I live in is not, I mean, I'm, I'm an Eagle scout. I'm a boy scout. Like I, I was raised uh red, white, and blue. And, uh, it does take you back a bit to go, well, what else did I miss? Yeah. You know, if I didn't, if I didn't catch that, um, not my fault. I mean, I was indoctrinated. I was told a bunch of lies and that's what I should believe. But then uh, every other conspiracy, that's all, that's always what I go back to, especially when the mouth breathers say that that is, uh, you know, they trivialize it or, you know, why do you even care? It's like, well, they shot the president in the head. So I don't know, they might <laughs> fake a lunar landing too, or they might, you know, put fluoride in the water yeah. to make us all dumb. Yeah. <laughs> what do you think? Um, I think that, 
one, if you set JFK as a baseline, it does open things up because that loon, that lunar landing is a great example of me going like, that's ridiculous to now when I bring it up, I bring it up half jokingly to family members or friends. And then I can see the reaction is always like, yeah, completely flat out. That's ridiculous. And then I'm socially aware enough to go, well, I'm not going to tell him I kind of believe that's actually what happens. <laughs> but it is crazy that uh, people will go, oh, don't worry about social media. They use special filters to make themselves look a certain way. Or, you know, that's not reality TV because it was produced in such a way to make, you know, it's it's too fantastic. You know, they just want to kind of get you into this zone where you, you think you're watching mm-hmm. reality. Mm-hmm. And you're going, so like... It's not conceivable that we would produce something that looks like we really went to the moon when we were having a really hard time getting there. I mean, our cultures, we're the appetite for reality TV is big. And even yeah. though your rational mind knows that there is a producer and a director and cameras and that these reality stars are coached to some degree to, to give these larger than life responses, um, we still just have something inside of us that gets wrapped up into the story. It's kind of like watching a really good movie that you've seen the ending. You know, yeah. you know how it ends, yeah. but somehow you always find yourself um, on edge, especially like sports movies where you're like, yeah. I know that the Mighty Ducks win. I know yeah. that they win, but when they get in that flying V, yeah. there's something inside me. It's like, yeah. oh, 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 maybe, they, maybe, maybe they're not going to get it. Yeah. Um, and I think that that's just humans loving, like we live in narratives. Sure. Yeah. It's our whole mm-hmm. existence is narratives and we just love a good story. Yeah. Don't yeah. let the truth get in the way of it. Which is <laughs> why it's feasible to me to get into some of these quote unquote wacky ideas. Mm-hmm. Because again, I go, well, I've seen people in my life that will buy into an idea that when you go, you know, that's totally not true right and they're like ah it's fun to believe though or or you maybe this are you is talking not, about me no <laughs> or you think about um gosh this may be not the best analogy but sports fans that are like religious sports fans of a team mm-hmm. you know, that has no effect on your life but they just like the buy-in mm-hmm. they like the narrative of a team working through a season and getting through the playoffs and entertainment grinding. yeah so yeah, I think there's there's something in us that yeah has a craving for that a storyline and you know. Well, I think the other thing that it does, the reason it's important is it's not just saying that the CIA or whatever agency, deep state agency, killed the president. You're also saying they killed his brother, because if you if you establish that the CIA, like those things don't exist in a vacuum, and we could talk some about that tonight, but. Um, it's almost like I don't even need to know the details of RFK's assassination. If you tell me that they killed the president and then his brother was running for president and they killed him, you'd have to be an absolute moron to not go, <laughs> right, okay, right. They just happened, yeah. crazy Palestinian just happened to shoot him. I mean, uh, and that's that's a pretty terrifying thing because then it's Martin Luther King. And then it's, uh, you know, who else was assassinated around that time? That was really Malcolm X. Uh, Hoover was just whacking people left and right, I think. Yeah, Hoover. And Johnson. Other people. Yeah. 
Boy, yeah, Johnson, the more I hear about him, the less I want to be close to him. Not a nice, I mean, probably the worst president. I never met the guy, but many of the accounts are not favorable. Yeah, and there's enough that at some point it's like, yeah, I'm pretty sure. Yeah, uh, right. Even if a fraction of these stories are true, you're still a despicable human being. <laughs> like even yeah, if just one yeah. or two of these stories well, are true. Posh, politicians don't generally have a great reputation for being really virtuous as it is, you know, particularly like these kind of old school. It's Hollywood for ugly people. Yeah. That's, that's, that's what people, I didn't, it, that's yeah. not my saying, sure. but that's what yeah. people. So, well, um, okay. So, why don't you, do you mind, just to bring people up to speed, let's do a quick recap of wh where we're at, what we've been through, and, and bring us up to speed. We talked uh, JFK first, and uh, really what I thought was interesting about that conversation is the idea that um, being called a truth seeker has has this kind of stigma attached mm -hmm. to it, um, you know. The weaponization of language. Sure, everybody's heard of thoughts. Yeah, yeah, everybody's heard of JFK and the assassination and the conspiracy theories that are attached to that. Um, but just recently, I've started to hear more thoughts on, well, why is it so bad to look into possible conspiracies with this? That's, you know? uh, some Duncan commented on YouTube. He'll be excited that we're talking about him because yeah. he can't be here. But uh, he texted me when he first watched it and said, "You're." Something about your your first uh, podcast has a fact check on it. Congratulations or something like that. <laughs> I said I said like yeah, that's how you know you're doing it right. That's but right. It is it is weird that uh, there's so much even developing now with social media of this constant like um, they're just burying it. It's 1984, like we said. It's just it's just the the memory hole and any there's yes. certain things that you can't yeah. even search for without being kind of shrewd about how you're going to find it because if you just like google jfk you're going to get nothing but propaganda about yeah. how he yeah. was killed and who he was and everything i started pulling up some different links that i was going to go you know if i needed to reference anything mm -hmm. really quickly and i don't know if you noticed i went oh ah, dang it it's because i opened it in my regular chrome profile mm. and i was like i don't need this to start populating <laughs> let me go to the other one is this a business computer you get to uh, work <laughs> actually <laughs> yeah. we uh we have to let dave go yeah, dave's been, not only is he wasting a tremendous amount of time <laughs> but i think he's got a screw loose <laughs> uh what was i gonna say um Oh, so we went on to RFK from mm -hmm. there, which uh, last week I felt like the episode was a bit frenetic just because there are so many little odds and ends about that uh, that whole situation that it's you, hard to get to. You everything. almost need a, a, a degree or a uh, – like it would take a long time to study and to really understand. Yeah. There's people that do. So if you're interested in learning about it, um, there's one podcast I was listening to that – it's really, it's really good. Let me pull it up real quick. It's called um, It's all forgot your passcode for your iPad. <laughs> That's all it's coming up. My kids locked my iPad up, so we had to get creative with how we do the uh, podcast tonight. Oh gosh, what is it? America's Untold Stories. I think I listened to that one. So, uh, it's, oh, you, uh, you sent me that. Yeah, one. I sent you that one. So those those guys. It's um, Mark. Robert and Eric uh, Hunley, 
and Mark is uh, actually close to um, get the guy's name that was shot that lived. Um, what's his name? Uh, Schraver. Schrade. Paul Schrade. Paul Schrade. Yeah, right. right. That guy was. So he's he's actually doing a documentary film with him right now, and 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 knows him, and and he actually testified at Sirhan's parole hearing. So. I will see your Untold American Stories podcast and raise you a RFK Tapes podcast. Okay. Um, and that one I think is good to listen to. I liked the American Untold podcast. Like I checked out more than one episode because I think that uh, RFK stuff was about three episodes. Mm-hmm. So I looked into a couple of those. Who does that one? Do you know? The, the RFK name? Tapes. Um, the dude's name is Zach. Zach. <laughs> yeah, Zach's the main guy. Um, but to, to balance out, like my initial impression of the American untold one was more of that lizard people vibe. So I was like, Ooh, this has got a little bit. Of- I, I felt that vibe too, until yeah. he said, I think in the first one, when he, he said, uh, that he testified at Sirhan's, uh, mm-hmm. parole hearing. So that's what, that was the credibility. I like right away. was like, yeah. Oh, well he can't be, it was more taken just an aesthetic, like just the personalities that were on it. So, yeah. Well, um, the things that they say, I mean, it's it's pretty wild right and that mark especially um that's what i mean by like he's been studying this his, his whole life and uh he has a, a knowledge of the people involved that is i mean just to be able to queue up that many names and yeah, just be able to sure. go like oh yeah this person and they did this and that's how they're connected to this mm-hmm. and i don't think he's wrong about what he's saying i think he's it's just it comes across as like um you know he, but he's definitely a, a a truther so it's it's hard to yeah i think the point i'm making is like if somebody is listening to this and goes, I'm going to check this podcast out, that might be like too strong of a mix for them mm-hmm. <laughs> because you're right. A lot of the things he's recited or that he put up in that episode facts that he's citing all true. Um, I've heard them on other accounts and things that I've but it's watched. like a difference between a trickle and like a fire hose. Exactly. Like a fire yeah, hose. Yeah, like, so hey, if you're, if you're still like on the, I think, the Warren commission bandwagon as far as what happened. And then you turn that fire on. It's like almost too, you'd be over your head or you would think they're like absolutely crazy. That's why I recommend this RFK RFK tapes podcast as well. So if you want to do to the subject, RFK tapes would be a dip your toes in the water. And if you're pretty damn sure that the CIA killed Kennedy Kennedy's, then, uh, uh, untold American stories. You need better. a little cream in your coffee first. <laughs> but the crazy thing is you, a lot of the facts that both of those podcasts give, they coincide. Mm-hmm. So what I'm saying about that is it's not that untold stories isn't, is nutty and just spitting out a lot of fallacies. It's more just like you may just get the vibe that they're wacky in their basement, but then you listen to one that's, a little lighter and you go, God, they're saying a lot of the same stuff. Yeah. yeah. It's not what you say. It's how you say it. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that happens though, when you become, when you're really bought into a conspiracy. Yes. Um, it's almost like I heard somebody say like, uh, how do you say it? it? It was like, if you think that we landed on the moon, I, I honestly feel sorry for you. <laughs> it's like this really kind of like <laughs> just really condescending kind of like, uh, well, which I, I, you know, but I thought it was funny, but it was also true. Like, yeah, it's, you know, like I feel sorry for you. It's pretty strong, but I don't know. So anyway, let's RFK, uh, 
supposedly shot by Sirhan. Um, Sirhan went to prison serving a life sentence. He was, he was sentenced to a gas chamber originally, but then California state law changed and they don't have the death penalty. So now he's just in a prison cell. I think he's, this, I said last week, longest, he's the second longest serving uh, California inmate. And he's also been denied parole every time he was most recently, I think a year ago, maybe, um, maybe less. And um, it's pretty, that's some of what Mark, his thing in the case at the, at the parole hearing is um, just to deny him parole at this point, being in his late seventies and like, uh, for, for the, and the only reason that he is denied parole is because one of the Kennedy family, the family split. And so like Bobby Kennedy is all for, um, uh, parole. He's like, you know, he has this whole yeah, guy out of jail. Like he, he didn't even think he did it first of all. But, and then, but there's a split and there's, uh, half of the family, um, says no. And at the end of the day, that's, I think why he's been denied parole is because, uh, there's a woman on the other side of Bobby's family. I forget her name, but she's something Kennedy and she's a politician. And um, she claims that she still thinks he's a, a serious threat to her life. And that's what she has to say is like, mm -hmm. no, I, I'm not comfortable okay. with him being out. I think he'd kill us. But that's like, really this guy that's in his seventies and he's, you know, like, I guess you could say that, but she was like born, like she wasn't even born when Robert was assassinated. So I think that's some of Mark's thing is like, it'd be like saying, like you still mourn the death of your great, great grandfather who died in the civil war. And you go like, do you mourn his death? Like you never knew him. So like, yeah, you can't really mourn the right. death of somebody that you had no contact really, with. Or really of. I mean, you never met him. I, I don't know. I, that was a good point. I kind of thought like, yeah, I don't mourn my dead ancestors. I, I mourn the, you know, my grandfather passed away. I mourn his loss because he was a big part of my life. But if she never even knew him to claim that she still mourns his death and it's, you know, that I don't know. I just thought that does seem weird. And it also the idea that some 70 something year old man is going to track you down and kill you. I don't know why, you know, just doesn't. Yeah. But if you up. believe that he is the one that did it, then him being 70 doesn't make you feel that much better. The only thing I can think of as a rebuttal to, him getting paroled is you know if you're the one that approves the parole yeah yeah set him free mm -hmm. your concern is that he does pull some crazy stunt and you feel like now it's on you that you let him free mm -hmm. now i i accept that except that mark makes a good point in his podcast about it that all of these kennedys on that side are very far left democrats who have been actively making movies and they're all about the uh, prison reform and mm -hmm. let all yeah, these guys yeah. out of prison. Except unless it's guy. the guy that killed my father a long yeah, time ago. You know, it's like, unless it actually applies to me and my family, then uh, no. But yeah. uh, she even made whoever the Kennedy was, she made a movie about, yeah, somebody who is really horrific uh, killing and uh, not, not a good person. And is pretty obvious. It was hypocritical to say the least. Mm. They, yeah. You can't. Sure. And what have you gone and talked to their families? Yeah. You know how they feel about it. And anyway, so that's, that's kind of where we're at. And we have to backtrack because when we were talking about RFK last week, I didn't know, I knew who Jolly West was. I knew the name and roughly I'm, I'm in the middle of reading uh, Tom O'Neill's book about uh, a lot of that. But when you brought up the story of the Oklahoma city zoo and those yeah. elephants, I didn't know about that. And that, that still 
that blows my mind that that happened. That in 1962, this doctor who was contracted with the CIA to develop brainwashing techniques for, you know, the government, uh, somehow got permission as a doctor from the University of Oklahoma to go to the zoo and to dose these elephants with LSD to see how they, it's actually more than just seeing how they would react. So part of one of the conspiracies is that um, Jolly West was from 54 to 69 when he was at OU, that he was actively developing, the CIA was, you know, they, LSD was invented in the 1930s and they were developing it and using it um, up in that point, but they were specifically trying to use that on psychiatric patients and a lot of times unwitting people that had no idea they were being tested on using that drug on them to see, to test what it would do and to see if they could weaponize it some way for um, a spy program or an assassination program. And he, uh, it looks a lot, I didn't think of it at first, but like why, it seems like the only animal experiment he did was on the elephants. Yeah. And so you're like, why would you do that? Why would you? And uh, elephants. Well, two reasons. First of all, he wanted to publicly do that experiment because I think some of his aides were complaining to the university about what he was, some of the stuff that he was doing. And I think he was asked if he was testing on humans and he kept saying, no, I've never tested LSD on humans. I've never tested this on humans. I think he was. And I think he needed to do a public animal testing so that he could prove like, see, I'm only testing on animals. Hmm. And um, so that was one of the reasons. The other reason had to do with the nature of elephants. So elephants have uh, seasons where it's called must, but they excrete this tar-like goo from the sides of their ear and their head. Nice. And it's a time with their their hormones in in the mating season. And for two weeks, they become insanely violent. So it's like deer being in the rut? Yeah, same thing. Right, okay. And so these these elephants do that. And so um, he said at the time that that's what the tests were for, was to see if he could induce Uh this this state of, um, you know— hormone or I don't know if it's even hormone, but it's, it's this violence induced this violence. Well, knowing now what he was developing, it's like, oh, well that makes sense because he was developing something that could induce violence to make Sirhan Sirhan go kill RFK or whoever it might be. Um, So that's, that's why I think, I think that he was trying to uh, do both of those things at once. And gosh, just a a complete like shit show. Like, I'm sorry, I'm not supposed to cuss. But there's no other way to describe it except that it is. So he does that. And the other thing I found out was he just, he must've been just a bad doctor. He must've been a bad doctor. He was, he was developing spies. It's not the only only reason he was a bad doctor. I just mean he was technically a bad doctor because he didn't even know how to properly administer the right dose of LSD for this elephant. Idiot. What kind of moron doesn't know how much LSD you give an elephant? Yeah. Like, I mean, they need a lot, but not that much. Um, and to what I understand, first of all, he used a trank gun, like a, a dart, which was weird. Do you think he wore the hat like the Australian <laughs> <laughs> and the shirt with the sleeves that roll up and the button? I would. Cargo shorts. So he, he administered a, a dosage that I believe whatever worked out, it was about 300,000 times more. That's 
than what he should have given him. It's like if you if you're taking a dose of how much you give a human, which which an acceptable like not going to kill you and you're going to have psychedelic experience, um, it was about three hundred thousand times more than that. And I think it's because he used milliliters instead of a set of micrograms. And I was like, oh yeah, dude, that doesn't converge for exactly the same. Mm. So he was a he was a not a technically good doctor as far as the math goes. And the morals is a whole other side of the story. The, Hippocra <laughs> the Hippocratic oath is not even brought into the equations. Um, so, you know, he should have called your granddad. He sh that's another. Chemist. That's true. That's an interesting thing I thought of this week is that my grandfather, I believe, started working in the chemistry department at OU in '62. He was on the Norman campus, so I don't believe they would have much interaction. But I wish I, could, I wish he hasn't. Did you know Jolly West? Yeah. Did you know this guy? that was a, a monster working for the CIA. So he- He'll say that guy gives too much acid. Yeah, he's, his acid he's is way really too reckless. strong. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, grandpa's not with us anymore. Otherwise I'd love to ask him and say, if you knew Jolly West, but uh, the problem was this elephant was like a key attraction to the zoo. You don't have a lot of elephants lying around in- who gave the permission for him to do the test I, with the elephant? I think that it must have come with national security orders. It must have been something like, we need to do a test on these elephants, blah, blah, blah. blah. And the zoo, you know the zoo is going to say, no right. way. There's no way <laughs> yeah. that you're just dosing our elephants with something. It had to have been the CIA there with him that Dr. Gottlieb or somebody calling him up and saying, this is national security. It'll be perfectly safe. Don't worry. We need to do it anyway. And then it's not perfectly safe. No. So this becomes a big issue for OU because the zoo goes back to OU and says, you got to compensate us for this. Like this is not only the test was experiment expensive, this is our main exhibit and you guys just killed it. And so OU was like in a really bad spot as a university. They didn't know. So that's, that's the answer to the question is why did, why did, uh, West have to eventually leave the university. I think that was his way move. He was on the road out at that point because he was, um, Definitely on people's radar as far as, you know, not a legitimate scientist, not a legitimate doctor. Yeah. But in, at the end of the day, the CIA ponying up the money. I don't think they'd openly admitted it, but I think that people have now uh, looking at it, they go, oh, yeah, they must have. I mean, I don't think OU would have just had. I think it was something like they paid him like thirty, forty thousand dollars $40,000 for the elephant. Yeah, today uh, Google says a baby elephant costs around $100,000. Today. So, yeah, back then, thirty, yeah, forty. dollars So if you adjust for inflation, yeah. Yeah. So, that, so the, the numbers make sense. Not the LSD dosage no, the numbers, but the currency numbers. Yeah. So what, I mean, did that strike you as just an absolutely nuts story when you read it or? I had forgotten about it until we talked about it and I came across and was like, oh yeah, the elephant. Yeah. But thinking about it now, is that how, I mean, I, I joke that it's worse than killing the president, but it is yeah. like- <laughs> My goodness, that is strange. And it's strange, I guess, because I live there, you live there, like we live mm -hmm. here. You you read about wild stories. Like I remember when I first started getting into conspiracies, the first one that really got me into it was I read Jaina Davis's book about the Oklahoma City bombing called The Third Terrorist. And it's a fantastic book if you want mm. to read it. I actually had a chance like years ago to talk to her and we spoke for like over an hour and it was just fascinating because her thesis about what actually happened in Oklahoma City is so 
wildly different than the narrative. It's like, it was, it was shocking to me to hear that, to hear that story, to research it. And there's actually multiple stories. Like there's multiple conspiracy, lots of conspiracy theories about what happened. And there's actually multiple conspiracy theories that seem really believable that are completely different. And so like hers is completely unconnected with some of these other mainstream conspiracy theories. But when I was talking to her about it, she was just kind of diving into the whole story. And I kind of had to stop her and just say like, like Jaina, like, forgive me, but I'm like just this kid who grew up in Norman, Oklahoma. And I was in sixth grade when that happened, fifth grade, sixth grade, somewhere in there. And it's just a lot to take in to like, go like, Whoa, this is, this is really different than what I've believed my entire life. I mean, I wrote, I remember we wrote, uh, cards like we made like uh, paintings or drawings like as a class and we sent them all to the 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 you know zone or the um mm-hmm. where yeah. where it all happened where it happened and i think one of the firefighters took pictures of it like hanging up on the fence and i think he brought them back to the class and gave them to us and so like we had a deep connection to as a child i had a deep connection to this event i remember it happening and everybody was a part of it and to just go like not only is that story that they told us not the right story, but it's, it's a, uh, obvious cover up of the, uh, of the real story. It's just shocking. It's just hard to take it in. You know what I mean? Hmm. Yeah. <laughs> Do you remember? Have you yeah, had that I definitely remember but... it. Um, I was listening to some commentary on conspiracy theories in general, and typically they lose steam just by the virtue of the fact that people kind of just move on. And so you hearing this account of something you thought you had the the story on, you know, you it takes through, a minute. Yeah. You go through your whole school career, you get into college, you're from near Oklahoma city. So it's kind of, you take for granted, like, well, I already know all about that more than most people. Yeah. Cause it I, happened near I grew me. Up. Um, and, then, and that's what I told her too yeah. is, um, Oh God, how do I say it? It was basically when you're a kid, like I, you think it's normal. Like you don't realize how it, I wasn't until in my probably early twenties that I kind of reflected on it and went like, Oh, that was a really strange thing. Like world history, strange thing to hmm. be a part of. Mm-hmm. But when you're in the middle of it and you're a kid, it seems like kind of normal. So that's what I mean by the Oklahoma, like this story, if we were reading about this in another city somewhere, you kind of naturally just think, oh yeah, well, that's interesting. Some crazy thing happened over mm-hmm. there. But when it happens right here in our backyard, mm-hmm. it really is a different thing where you go, oh my God, my grandfather worked with that guy. And yeah, my yeah. dad was a kid running around Norman and there's who knows how many brainwashed assassins were living <laughs> next door. And I told my dad that this last week and, uh, he seemed interested. I don't know. He's he's oh, not okay. he's into conspiracy theories, but right? But I was that, trying. To, I just kept saying MK Ultra, and he was he's like, "What is, what does that even mean?" And I'm like, "There's just a lot you got to learn." I don't know. <laughs> talk to mom. <laughs> talk to mom. <laughs> so that's I guess that was what I was qu- questioning. Like knowing that is it feel different when it's in your backyard? Is it like make you it more real? Oklahoma City bombing or Jolly West? No, Jolly West yeah, okay. or just this whole story. Like it, it's Jolly West, it did get my attention just because a lot of times you hear things like, well, Jolly West, a lot of his story is in the Bay Area. And you're mm-hmm. like, well, no surprise there. Like every time we talk about the 60s, you Crazy talk stuff. about the Bay Area, you talk about hallucinogenics. It's Hate always Ashbury, Berkeley, all that. Hate yeah. Ashbury. 
And then like, yeah, for him, for them to find out that he spent time in Norman of all places, he's like, why did they pick that spot? Do you well, know? yeah, I got a theory. Okay. Good. <laughs> all right. I thought the same thing, but then, uh, Dallas is four hours away from Norman. Yeah. And so, uh, you know, Kennedy, I mean, if, if, if somebody was orchestrating this thing for a while and it looks like they were, uh, there was a lot of things being put into place before this happened that, uh, there was a lot of moving parts and maybe they had other people placed around the country that could have flown into it, but it does seem kind of convenient that like, you know, Dallas, Oklahoma city, you know, and, and Dallas are not that terribly far apart. And this guy was probably put the people question why he was made uh, head of uh, psychiatric medicine. He was 29. He had had no tenure wow, when he was made again. head of psychiatric medicine. Russian. Well, he was, yeah, he was, uh, in the, in the army air force. I think they were the same thing back then. And he had, uh, been assigned to work on this. His original work was assigned to work on these, this case of soldiers coming back from the Korean war who seemed, Oh, this is another interesting. I figured out thing. I figured out, uh, the term brainwashed. Mm -hmm. That's a CIA term mm -hmm. that didn't exist before 1954, 55, somewhere in there. Like that specifically was used by Jolly West. They, they created that term mm -hmm. to describe what had happened to these soldiers right. who came back and claimed that the U S had been using German warfare in Korea, which was against the Geneva convention and would have mm. been big trouble for the United States. So he, it, he's his claim in the Wikipedia is that he treated these soldiers who the Koreans had brainwashed yeah, to believe yeah. this BS story. Yeah. And then you find out what he did his whole career and you think, or they came back and said that we use germ warfare and he created the concept of brainwashing to just explain it away and mm. say, yes, they were brainwashed by the Koreans and we're going to treat them and they'll be just fine and they'll get their story straight, you know, later on. That's funny because I had only heard half of that. <laughs> just the part about the soldiers came back and the Koreans. Had yeah. Really got well, and that's my speculation, I guess I'd say, but if you think about, uh, Okay, in the same way that Operation Mockingbird developed the term conspiracy theory, mm -hmm. they also developed the word brainwashing in the same sure. way that they developed yeah. the word truther. And like, you can go down the list. Uh, we just take for granted that brainwashing is a thing. It's not a thing, or it wasn't a thing until Jolly West came along. Or another guy, his predecessor was um, William Bryan, William J. Bryan. Yeah. You know about that right. guy? Yeah. He has a little bit to do with RFK. Yeah, he's got it. You want to talk about uh, it? <laughs> well, I mean, I just remember, I mean, I think I've got him up somewhere, but um, I just remember listening to some of his story and going, that's that's something. Now I'm I'm drawing a blank. Oh, before we move on, I got to tell you about my idea this week. Okay. For merchandise. Mm -hmm. So the poor elephant's name was Tusco. Really? The, okay. That Jolly West murdered in Oklahoma City. Um. And it's, it's such a sad story if you read it, because he was married, the elephant was, to, his partner was Judy, the elephant. So it was Tusco and Judy. Uh -huh. And so he gives Tusco this insane dose of LSD. He falls on the ground and starts squirming and rolling around and blasting his trumpet and just dying. And Judy goes over and is trying to lift him up. Like the elephant's like, she's like trying to help oh, him and lift him up. It's yeah. like 
so that is sad, yeah. horrific and sad. And uh, so my thought was like, I'll be damned. We are not going to let this elephant be forgotten to history. We need to make shirts that say Tusco, you oh, know, man, that uh, good, yeah. 50 to 50 oh. <laughs> to 62. And then at the bottom say, never forget Tusco. Yeah. I like that. That's a good idea, right? Yeah, I like that a lot. So you'd be looking for some uh, Tusco, never forget Tusco uh, t-shirts in the near future. Um, and that'd be a great conversation. You wear that to a party and everyone goes, have I got a story for you? <laughs> Who is Tusco? Get ready. <laughs> Hold on. You ever been to the Oklahoma City Zoo? <laughs> <laughs> hey, William you, J. You, Bryan, um, you're right, was the pioneering hypnotist. Um, Did you read about what his, so he's associated with RFK because many people speculate that he's the guy that brain brainwashed or hypnotized uh, Sirhan Sirhan. Correct. Yeah. Was he at the ambassador that night for some reason? I don't believe that he was. I, I don't know. I don't know if it was him or I remember reading somewhere that there was somebody like him who was actually in the room as Kennedy gave his final speech. And even like you can see him in pictures and he's like standing in the background and it's like, well, why is he here? Standing in the background, like stroking his chin <laughs> with an evil grin. <laughs> Man, you, I forget. You say I just, I remember now I'm forgetting where I heard it, but the guy had a, yeah, he was one of the first, he was the the lead psychiatrist on, uh, yeah, Project Mockingbird. Um, was he the one Keep going. that people didn't believe that he could do hypnosis. And so he put them in a trance and had them put needles through their arms. Yes. Yeah. There we go. It's coming back to me. All right. Uh, interrupting real quick because my kids locked out my iPad and screwed up our whole system. And because these cameras don't work the way I want them to, this is an audio only podcast. Okay. So. I'm sorry, internet. Uh, I wish we could show you Dave's face tonight yeah. too, but. We'll get it fixed out next week. Anyway, so yeah, he he hypnotized a room full of lawyers that didn't, it was like 12 people that didn't believe in hypnosis mm -hmm. and had them all stab like sewing needles through their arms. Yeah. And then when he took them out of this this hypnotic state, they like had these needles in their yeah. arms. And he's like, there, there you go. Now, Do you remember you doing that? Me? Yeah. And like, yeah. Um, I don't know if you've got other things you want to touch on with him that... The main thing, yeah, I remember hearing, of course, this stands out to me because it's unusual behavior, but uh, he dies with in a hotel room with two prostitutes. And the the story there is that kind of on his deathbed, he's telling these two ladies that he's the one that, yeah, yeah, I heard that, that too. hypnotized Sirhan Sirhan. So. Well, there's more evidence, too, that he hypnotized Sirhan Sirhan because he was famous for um, hypnotizing a guy named... I think it's Albert DeSalvo, who was the Boston Strangler. Yeah, that's... Uh -huh. And so the Boston right. Strangler admitted, he admitted under hypnosis. thinking you're about to say. <laughs> you're about to say. <laughs> so I hope so. You can, let me let me see. Um, so DeSalvo, uh, that was shortly before RFK's assassination, mm -hmm. roughly in the same time frame. And he hypnotizes DeSalvo to admit that he was, which is contra controversial because... If you admit hypnosis is not like there's there's things about it that are really interesting, but is that necessarily a confession? Because you can also obviously induce people to think 
they something that's not real and you can have them. So if you get a murderer, is that really a, a murder confession? If he says it under hypnosis, I, I would say not like you don't almost need people to be clear headed and mm -hmm. like sober and like, okay, I'm just going to admit yeah, this. Yeah. Um, yeah. Like leading the witness, that sort of thing. Like, yeah. yeah. So then the really ah, <laughs> moment is in Sirhan Sirhan's journal where he had scribbled. Yeah. RFK must die over and over and over. He was also saying DeSalvo must die. Right. Yeah. And when they interviewed Sirhan, he didn't know who that even was. Yeah. He didn't know DeSalvo. Mm -hmm. So. Yeah. That's what was, yeah, it was really odd. Cause last time we were talking about, uh, you know, Sirhan doesn't remember what he did. And I just thought he was a good guy. And I brought up, well, I mean, there is this account of this diary that has entries from, you know, something like 12 months prior to the assassination mm -hmm. of RFK must die. At the time I said that, I was unaware that any of the entries said DeSalvo might die, which is, yeah, awfully strange that he would write this name DeSalvo in his And, journal. yeah, William J. Bryant was um, same as West, uh, CIA spook guy that was just doing all kinds of terrible, like, if you get into, we'll get into Tom O'Neill's book eventually, but these people like, it was. There did not seem to be a lot of virtuous psychiatrist hypnosis dudes yeah. in and around that time. None of them were doing it to like help you quit smoking or like stop eating so much sugar. I mean, they were like. Yeah. Really and in a weird dudes. way, Jolly West in later in his life. So he would, uh, he was kind of a quote expert on cults in general and he ends up eventually going after Scientology. So he starts publicly nice writing, right? Well, he starts writing a lot of stuff about critical of uh, Scientology as a cult and Scientology. They, they don't take it well. No. Like they're, I don't know if you've seen Tom Cruise get upset, but it's not, <laughs> it's not exactly like a pleasant, I don't, I don't want to be on the bad side of Tom Cruise. I think he would no. not go. It wouldn't go well, but in a weird way, I don't support Scientology. I think it is a cult, but yes, many of the things that Scientology said, I think is true as far as what they said about uh, psychiatry and about hypnosis. Was, and a, a lot of the things they said about Jolly West. Get a little more explicit about what you think is true in well, Scientology. I don't, I'm not an expert in it, but I do think the, a lot of the over drugging and the, you know, a lot of the stuff that's coming out about, um, psychiatric medicine now even about drugs being basically they don't do anything and some depression and anxiety is you know some some of these drugs don't do what they've been told for a long time so we've been drugging kids and you know people for a long time yeah and it's kind of like uh it's like you know scientology was at least saying i think tom cruise had that right in the yeah. interviews that no i don't think you need all these drugs i think you need to clear your conscience and you need to live a more virtuous like honest life and yeah all those things i'd say i, I agree with that sure but um, so I don't know where I was going with that. <laughs> um, Jolly West was into Scientology. Like yeah, well, I thought that was interesting like that. that he got into a fight with Scientology and I would have had to side on, well, I would have sided with Scientology on that and said, um, it's <laughs> a good sound bite. Yeah. You're, you're, we, it's almost like, who are you to talk? You, you killed an elephant with yeah. LSD, man. Like, yeah. You know, uh, yeah, we got Judge our wacky not, ideas jolly. over here in Scientology, right. but we've not killed any elephants, so you can't hang that on us. 
Well, yeah, they just produced Tom Cruise, which which arguably, I mean, do you want to live thing. in a world without right. Tom Cruise? <laughs> I don't know that I. I do. really think I don't. Did you watch the video he put out for the upcoming Mission Impossible when he does the the, the free no free jumping thing? But when I think Tom Cruise, I mean, of course, I think a lot of movies, but. I almost thought you were going to say the little pre-roll he does in Maverick. Um, did you see Maverick at the theaters? The, the new Top Gun? Oh, yeah. Um, there's a little pre-roll of Tom Cruise just being Tom Cruise, the actor. Yeah, I don't He's think I saw that. in a director's chair facing the camera. And my goodness, if he is not just the warmest, most friendly person you've ever met on a screen, I mean... He just says to you, it feels like it's you personally, not you in an audience. Uh And he's talking to everybody. It feels like he's talking right to you. And he just says, man, I am so excited that you are here. I love Top Gun. And I know that you do too. And thanks so much. And you're like, you're welcome, Tom Cruise. I'm glad to help you out. He, and to his credit, I would say he puts his money where his mouth is. So for a lot of his films, I think especially his last few, he's the one bankrolling it. Oh yeah. Okay. So like, uh, yeah, because he, yeah, he owns the the vintage plane that's like in the first scene mm-hmm. of the movie, and yeah, I think you're right. Well, and I think as a movie star, like he could just keep his his hundreds of millions of dollars to buy mansions with, but I, I don't think he has. I think he's used it. Lit- like there was a clip uh, a couple years ago of him on set flipping out because of COVID in the middle of all that, and he's like flipping out at some hands, and. Uh, people were like almost like, you know, trying to end his career or something as dumb as that. But I listened to it and I agreed with everything Tom Cruise said. Oh, is that right? <laughs> he's like, he's like yelling at him. And he's like, do you have any idea how much stress it is to make this movie? He's like, I'm on the phone with, uh, you know, insurance companies every night talking about how we're going to do this. I've put $200 million into this film and you guys can't even keep a damn mask on your face. Wow. Like, if we get shut down because you can't follow orders and all that is like, a, it's like a dad yelling at his Pretty, kids. And I thought. That's, that's not that unreasonable. Yeah, like, yeah. exactly. Did you put $200 million <laughs> in this film? Are you talking with insurance companies every night no then put the mask on and shut up and by the way if that's the case if he's funding the movie like i'm you're employed by him yes just keep the mask on man try to explain that to the whole foods workers <laughs> i'm just kidding <laughs> i don't that's, even get that that's that's the uh i just refer to they just seem like the, they would all the same people that would complain to tom cruise about wearing a oh, mask sure. would also work at whole foods <laughs> I don't know why. <laughs> Funny thing, because there's some of the few people that still wear the mask when you're out and about. Yeah. Huh. I don't even, I think the masks were stupid, but uh, maybe it's because I, I do video production and we had sets uh, during COVID where we had big projects and everybody had to be COVID tested and had to wear a mask. And it's like, nobody here likes it. Nobody wants to do it. But at the end of the day, it does have to do with the insurance companies and just shut up and put, if you want to make money, if you want to work, shut up and put your mask on. Otherwise, you know, nobody can do their job. So anyway, uh, watch that clip. You can look it up. It's Tom Cruise. Uh, You could just Google the next mission impossible, um, you know, behind the scenes. And he, he goes through, like you see, it's not the movie. It's you watching him train right. mm-hmm. to do the jump. He does like 1,500 oh, cool. jumps out of an airplane. So he eventually builds up to driving a motorcycle off the cliff and then jumping from the motorcycle and parachuting down into the valley. And he does it like like seven or eight times that day. 
And it is on a cliff where it's like they had to fly in all the equipment to set up the thing for him to jump off of it. Just watching it. I mean, I don't like to fly. I don't like heights in general, but I just, I'm like telling my wife, like, there's just no way I would do that. There's no way in a million years you could, I have no desire to go parachuting or anything like that. But to, to see him do that, you really think like, you know, this guy is, uh, there's only one Tom Cruise and he's Tim. And he's ours. He's ours. Uh, I'll put it on the, uh, maybe I can put it on the Instagram somewhere, but I used that AI image generator. Yeah. Recently I started plugging in a bunch of different celebrities as, uh, as Jesus. <laughs> and you tell me if this, I did Tom Cruise Jesus and I was like, yep, that's what Tom Cruise Jesus would look like. But there's Batman Jesus. Uh, this is mean cause I can't show the crowd. I'll put it on the Instagram, but you just tell me if this doesn't look like Tom Cruise Jesus. Hold on a second. Banter, banter. Well, as you were talking about Tom Cruise doing all these, you know, going to such great lengths to do this stunt and putting his body on the line and all the money that has to go into that and production and everything, the thought occurred to me that, well, I mean, if we would do all of that to make a Mission Impossible movie, then like we're talking about the same DNA as Americans that might fabricate a moon landing. I mean, we like... Well, that's the theory. We'll get into the full moon landing. I can't yeah. find it, but I'll post it on the Instagram. That's the theory behind uh, most of the moon landing conspiracy theories is that Kubrick, Stanley Kubrick, had made 2001 A Space Odyssey like four years before that. Mm -hmm. So it's like, you just go watch 2001 A Space Odyssey, which is a cinematic miracle. And you think, you don't think that that guy could do a crappy moon landing video? You don't think that he could do that in his sleep on an afternoon, half-baked <laughs> with his iPhone? Uh, and he used cameras from, like, he. there's special cameras that NASA had that he used. No, it's the other way around. He had special cameras that NASA used or something like that. There's a relationship there. So he was had a relationship with NASA. And um, yeah, you just watch that and you think... Well, that's pretty, I mean, it's incredible color, you know, high definition, just beautiful. Yeah. It's, it's to think that you couldn't fake some of these other things. Yeah. yeah and back to JFK, it's the baseline. It's like, well, how far are they willing yeah, to go? Right. Exactly. If they're willing to kill the president and his brother right in front of everybody, I don't, I don't know where that line is. Seems like they'll go as far yeah, as they need to go. To find out that things like the church committee exist or to find out that MK Ultra is uh, like an actual thing it's, that it's, the government it was a big thing. doesn't really even deny anymore. Um, they haven't denied it in 40, 50 years. Yeah. So um, that's the, that's the hard part of that conversation. I'm even hesitant to be that public right now about like, I kind of believe that's what happens. <laughs> <laughs> but usually when people are dismissive about it, I go, well, but come on, you could at least concede the point that we were in a race and yeah. we're America. We like to win. And so you are like, not to get your answer right away, but the moon landing, you buy more into that one as far as I've given you my one, opinion. But. Yeah. That's one that I've, that's the one that I've gone the quickest from that's ridiculous to the most, like, I think that's what actually happened. <laughs> <laughs> and it was pretty quick i mean just a couple of comments you made i don't remember what they were just kind of like well kind of what i think of but you don't think that if we thought we were going to lose this technology race and it might you know stop russia from sending nukes to us that it might benefit us to make it look like we won that race mm -hmm. i'm like 
Ooh, yeah. Again, that's like, what would you do? Right. Exactly. Yeah. And Um, again, with America, I know that America of 2020 is not the same America as 1960, but it's not that long ago. And Americans, mm -hmm. we've got something in our cultural DNA that to me, it resonates that like Hollywood and we like to win. And if we aren't going to win, we'd like to make the other person think they lost like that kind of goes back to what we were talking about early, early in this conversation where something about the dynamic in that relationship between the American people and, you know, uh, our race with Russia and everything else that rings true to me, the dynamic of those relationships and the psychology. They're like, yeah, yeah, I could see that happening. Mm -hmm. I mean, any, again, to go back to social, social media, but this is more of like a marketing concept of, Sometimes you drive down the highway and you see like, say like lots of billboards for a contractor, you know, they build homes or whatever. And you go like, that guy must build tons of homes. This is like the most successful contractor in the state. Mm -hmm. And it's just because he puts number one contractor on his billboard. Well, you forget. Number number one Chinese restaurant. (laughs) (laughs) You world's best cup of coffee. But my point is like, we tend to like get ourselves into this pattern of thinking of like, he must be number one. Otherwise there wouldn't be all these billboards. And then you go, no, all it takes is somebody gave him some money to give to the billboard people to put up whatever he wanted to put on those billboards, you know? So we are a culture of people that kind of fake it till you make it a lot of times. Is that? No, I I agree. And I think, I think that, um, Especially back then, I think that there was, I don't remember the statistics, it's something like 40% of Americans did not believe the Warren Commission was correct, or they they didn't buy the JFK story. They were like, yeah, there's something else going on here. But I think generally back then, um, people did just believe what they were told. They didn't, they were not uh, skeptical enough to say like what you just said. Like they just, it's on the billboard. It must be true. You know, there's. Why wouldn't it be, you know, the world's best cup. And, um, I listened to, uh, I think Mark Shaw wrote a book about the JFK assassination and it's fascinating book, but he talks in a a lecture. He talked quite a bit about that, about like, he felt bad. He's like, I, you know, I believe this all. I just thought, I just believed what they told me. And he said, I think people just were not very skeptical. They just, you know, you didn't question authority very much in general. And, especially when it's coming from some sort of government agency, you kind of assume you, yeah, you just assume that it's like been vetted and verified, not thinking they're just humans too. And they can just make things up and make mistakes. And yeah, I think as far as the public zeitgeist goes, uh, there was no reason to, when you talk about 40% didn't believe the Warren report. Yeah. You got to keep in mind, the moon landing was just before the JFK assassination. It's almost like that was, it's almost like that was the last heist that we could have pulled, you know, they, they got one over on us. And then that JFK assassination, the American public starts to wake up a little bit because I'm thinking about it in terms of, well, we had world war two. We come back in the fifties. It's pretty wholesome. There's not a lot of reason to think that the government's up to anything, you know, shady. At that point, things are looking up. We were the good guys. We just took out the Nazis. All of that sounds pretty good. 
is that Operation Paperclip. They just yeah. It probably just bring all those Nazi doctors and scientists over here, and you get them working with That's, our agencies, and you, and next thing you know, they're like, "Well, over in Germany, we tried this." And have you, you tried to hypnotize him? <laughs> That's actually another. Bring us the elephant. Yes. <laughs> They, uh, yeah, it's, well, especially with the drugs too, like the uh, the, the methamphetamines. You look at like uh, yes way that was used in world war two and Hitler, Hitler had all kinds of drugs going on and the Japanese. Yeah. They used, uh, amphetamines and their soldiers all the time. Like that's how they'd stay awake for three days, fight to their, you know, nothing left to the end. I tell you, you don't want to be fighting a bunch of methed out Japanese soldiers yeah, on a bunker somewhere, somewhere. I mean, I'm just glad I live in 2023 yes. for now. Right. <laughs> For now, <laughs> who knows where it's going? But uh, we talked about that before. But we could, we'll get into that eventually. The uh, cosmic lottery hypothesis. Yeah. But the idea that, like, yeah, we just ah, Dave and Dante, we just happen to live at the most awesome time that's ever existed in the history of mm -hmm. the universe. You think just about happen it. to be in the lottery seat? Yeah. <laughs> Nothing funny about that. We are, yeah, yeah. You think about biologically your chances of making it. To be born anyway, but then to be born in this time. Yeah, especially yeah. if you go talk to World War II vets and yes, stuff that they went through. And I'm like, yeah. oh my gosh, we just smoked a lot of pot in college. I don't even know. Yeah. yeah. You know, I, challenges, no. you know, overcame. Yeah. What did I overcome? I get, I get irritated if it's too cold in our office. <laughs> <laughs> and then... Then I think not long ago, I was in my office like, Jesus, it's cold. Why does it have to be so cold in here? And I was listening to a Civil War account, and they were talking about using corpses to cover up at night because oh, they left their jackets gosh. back a few states behind. Like, And I thought, well, it's not that cold. I mean, it's Keep rolling. I'm gonna make sure we're good relatively here. comfortable, actually. <laughs> I'm going to get some more coffee, right? Yeah. So, yeah, we yeah, we're pretty fortunate. Well, those, I know. those Kennedys, I mean, that's that's quite the uh, quagmire, I guess, the whole situation. I, know and I don't know if we went into more RFK stuff that you wanted to. Well, I think the fact that you called out- There was. You these. wanted to talk about the uh, racetrack. I mean, I guess if we can establish that, like, I think with a lot of these things, uh, you just, you look at a big picture and it's like, mm -hmm. yeah, I get it. It's just like, well, just because some guy's here that does that's also connected with this, that doesn't really mean a lot. It's just- It starts stacking up to a point where a reasonable person will go, somebody should explain what all these people were doing yeah. and why they were all involved with this. Even like, uh, you know, I heard that Johnson, this is public fact, you can look up, but he was the first person to weaponize the FBI against his political adversaries. Yeah, yeah. So he hated Robert Kennedy. Apparently, they didn't get along. Right. And I think it's because Robert Kennedy thought he killed his brother. So what did he do? He, well, had, he had like 30 FBI agents assigned to be keeping track of Robert Kennedy from 64 to 68. Did, um, yes, I, that's true. I was just thinking about at that time, the FBI was used to infiltrate the Black Panther Party. Not the same yeah. thing, but my point being um, Robert Kennedy being more of like a figure in the civil rights movement, mm -hmm. right? Uh, and I'm just thinking, I mean, same thing with Martin Luther King even. Yeah. The FBI is in, involved in, you know, wiretapping and some other things like that with him. Um, so you're right. This is where the FBI is being put out there to work against our own people. Um, 
and now not in all these cases are they public officials like Senator Kennedy. Um, but it is around that time that we start seeing us, yeah, use our own tools against our own people. So we're, what if if Sirhan shot Kennedy? Give us a little bit about the the other strange things about Sirhan that we didn't know about, like even before the shooting. Strange things about Sirhan. Um, did you want to get into that horse track? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think that's the main Just, thing. He went missing for a while, right? Yeah. I mean, the interesting thing is that, uh, yeah, people, most most of the conspiracy claims are that he was he was hypnotized. Um, and then, yeah, you look into a lot of this MK Ultra stuff, and it looks like many times uh, the accounts are that a subject is brought into something that's like a hospital. They're put through a series of tests over a couple of weeks, possibly months. Um, yeah. And there's this story of Sirhan. He was working at a horse track. He was a jockey or trying he to was be trained a jockey. To be, yeah. Trained to be a jockey. That wasn't panning out, but he did work at a stable where they're, they're breeding horses. They're training them for races. Uh, Sirhan has this accident. He gets bucked off of a horse, goes to the hospital. Um, Sirhan's family says he was in the hospital for a couple of weeks. They didn't see him. The hospital records indicate that he just came into the emergency room, got a few stitches on his eye, and he was done. Um, hmm. So the thought being that this is when uh, the CIA starts putting these tests on him, and this is when he gets brainwashed uh, is during those couple of weeks. Uh, also, I Because isn't that when uh, William Bryan, he was running his hypnosis facility in that area in California at that time. Okay. Yeah. I think he had a, like a quote hypnosis treatment center or something like that, but it's a place where people would come in and he'd hypnotize them for all kinds of things. But they were in the same area is the thing. So like uh, if William Bryan did hypnotize Sirhan, it's not even like you'd have to take him across the country. That's interesting. Yeah. I'm looking to see where the American Institute of Hypnosis is. I don't think it's there anymore, but at the time it was in that okay. area. Yeah. I mean, you're talking Pasadena. Because after the, after Brian died, I think the uh, women that he was with, they took over the business or something. I'm just kidding. I don't know. <laughs> they turned it into a strip club or something. Who knows? Um, yeah. The, the, as far as I understand, Sirhan's family says that he was more withdrawn after he comes back from the hospital. Um. So that's kind of the theory, the working theory. Is he got one. kicked in the head or he fell off and hit his head? My understanding is he just got bucked off of a horse. And so hit his he's, head, though. He's exercising a horse. There's some kind of accident. I, The way I interpret it is he got knocked off of the horse. So, um, so yeah, I think that's kind of the, the genesis of it. And then leading up to, was it the day before the shooting? He's out at the gun range, like shooting all day. Yeah. With these people that he doesn't really know. Like he just was out there by himself. Mm -hmm. He didn't go out there with like if I'm gonna go shooting, yeah, right. I get with Jeff and right. Jeff and I go and we yeah. shoot at the range. Uh -huh. I've never gone to a gun range by myself. I guess I I mean, I'm not a gun enthusiast. Yeah. I understand Some that gun do enthusiasts yeah. do, but I don't think that Sirhan was a gun enthusiast. No, there's any... no other comment about him. Probably <laughs> he loved guns or you know. Yeah, he was just, always he was always going to the range. That crazy Sirhan. Yeah, no, he went that time out to the range, and I, I heard another. I don't know if it's true, but somebody was saying that the FBI had collected 
like 40, 50,000 yeah, shells yeah, yeah. from from the gun range, and they couldn't match any of them to his gun. The gun, like, okay, yeah. Did you hear about while they had his gun, the LAPD has his gun, you know, in their evidence room. Um, when they go to do ballistics testing on it, uh, the ballistic testing folks find out that the LAPD had shot something like a thousand rounds through that gun. <laughs> yeah, that was one of the things that I came across was you're so, talking about for what reason? Well, the the point that was made to the podcast I was listening to is kind of like we're talking about a gun that we know they're going to be trying to match bullets to. And when you fire a thousand rounds through the oh, barrel of a gun, it damages the gun. Now it's not going to be, it's harder to match a bullet to a gun a thousand rounds Jeez. later because it's the barrel's not the same barrel as it was a thousand rounds. Is there no end right. to the depths? <laughs> yeah, it's like, uh, it's like trying to go. match chalk. Well, no, that's not exactly the same. I was going to say it's like trying to match chalk to a chalkboard after you drew a bunch of drawings. And I'm like, well, still the same piece of chalk. So maybe that's not. <laughs> Shorter, no, though. but it makes sense. The rifling in the barrel would down, start to yeah. change over time, and it would be completely different. The pattern to, on the bullet. You'd have to right. shoot it probably right one or two shots after the last shot to, exactly. be able to match something right. pretty close. Yeah. I'm not a gun expert, but I sounded like a you know, yeah, for about. sure. So, yeah. So I mean, all of that, all that adds up is is just funny business, and I don't know. Uh, I don't no. know is there anything else prior to that, other than we talked about the notebook? But yeah, I think somebody could easily place a notebook yeah, in there and a journal. Of to me, I mean, I brought it up previously just to give a kind of a rebuttal, a counterpoint, just to get some thoughts on that. I don't disagree that it's something easy to fabricate. You know, you can plant a journal. Sirhan's been, you know, pretty spotty with his memory in a lot of interviews. Mm -hmm. So even if you were to say, did you write this journal? And if he said yes or no, it's kind of as, you know, it's kind of as reliable as anything else you're asking him in these interviews, right? Mm. Um, I'd be curious to know if the handwriting matches. I didn't hear anything about that one way or the other, but yeah, I don't. It's one of those things. I don't think it matters because um, they killed JFK, so they obviously killed RFK. <laughs> so yeah, I am curious. <laughs> I don't know if we got to like what is it? What is it you really think happened? I mean, I know you think okay, he got hypnotized. Something but. that changed over the past week because I looked into it more is, um. I used I did say last time that I'm pretty sure that um Thane Caesar had I think that he did fire his gun. I don't know if he was a part of anything. But uh I learned after listening to Mark's Mark and um Eric's podcast uh changed my opinion a little bit because he was um connected to the CIA still. So that's you know, if we get to this, everything is different if you go from where we are now, where it's 60 years and you guys won't release these files. You know, I get it. Like 40 years ago, uh, the CIA could kind of like, uh, national security, we can't show you. So you can't really make a determination. But the after it's gone on so long, it there's certain things in both the JFK and the RFK that's like, these things had to have happened within the government. So when you start saying it was the Russians or it was the Cubans, yeah. it's really not plausible because you can't, like two days before JFK is in the motorcade, they changed the motorcade route to go right in front of the book depository. Okay, that had to have been a government call. The Russians could not call and make that change 
and it, it, it goes in front of the book depository. And there's, so there's lots of things like that, that at some point, whether it was rogue people within the government, uh, or it was, maybe it was a big top-down order and Johnson said, kill, kill the guy. I don't know. But, um, yeah, all those things add up to where it's just, it, it's, it's, a. I don't know where I was going with that. It's just not a believable story. It's not. Uh, you were talking about Caesar and oh, your original thoughts. on. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Normally you kind of look and you think, oh, so he contracted out at Lockheed, whatever, before he was. It's a plumber. In there. He's a plumber. Yeah. <laughs> they're, as somebody said, they're always plumbers. <laughs> yeah, right. They're always plumbers. Or the milkman. Yeah. Yeah. That guy. But the, uh, you know, does that mean something that he contracts out there? N- well, it does if we've established that we're pretty sure this agency had a lot to do with his murder. You know what I mean? Yeah, it, right. By itself, no, it doesn't mean anything. But where we're sitting today, anybody back then who has any connection to the CIA definitely should be like considered part, uh, maybe questionable. You yeah, know? maybe. Or maybe it's like the last time I had a problem with my air conditioner, I was at the gym and I just blurted out, does anybody know a good heat and air person? And they said, yeah, Jeff does heat and air like he was there at the gym that day. <laughs> so it could have been one of those where the, they pull him in for interrogation. And Who, uh, Thane? let's say they pull Thane in for interrogation and maybe they're having problems with the plumbing at Lockheed and Martin. And they're like, you're a plumber. That's great to hear. We're actually having some issues. We're trying to make this new batch of LSD and we can't get the right mixture because we need flush. water to in this faucet. And it's not working right. Can you... Uh, help us with this. So I guess my opinion about Caesar was uh, maybe he wasn't, uh, you know, he had relationships with, again, Mark and Eric, their podcast pretty good. And if what they're saying is true, he had relationships with a, a journalist after the fact that really kind of covered his, his tracks in a lot of ways. Like anytime oh, people man. would write. Like, yeah. Yeah. Well, they, him, he's the, out. the book I brought up in our last conversation is the one that absolves Caesar. And who's it written by? It's Dan Maldea yeah. is the author. Who be, becomes like good buddies is, with Caesar. I listened to an interview with Maldea. Hey, so this is a nice little tie-in. Tie in. You brought up the Untold Stories mm-hmm. podcast that you've been referencing. The RFK Tapes has one of its like bonus episodes. Um, still on the free feed, but it's like a kind of after the whole story has been told. Um, Moldea is on there and he makes no bones about the fact that he's godfather to Caesar's yes. child and that he has power of attorney over Caesar's yep. estate, which seems crazy. <laughs> but the way that the way that Moldea says it is like we developed a friendship. Yeah, yeah the I guy loves him. Yeah. His godfather to his kids. So he the way Moldea talks about it, he acts like he's got nothing to hide, which is interesting if nothing else i don't know what i think about it yeah but when i heard it the first time listening to that untold podcast i was like oh man what well no because he's saying it in a world before we know about operation mockingbird so knowing what we know now that a lot of you know authors and journalists were on the payroll of the cia now it sounds weird because you're like, whoa, you were friends with this guy and you're supposed to be kind of investigating him or like, well, you know, writing at least some kind of critical this, journalism. Well, see, this book, listening to Moldea talk about the arc of how he came to write the book is he's just a author and he's That's just he a says. for-profit. Yes. <laughs> Good point. Yeah. Uh, he's just doing a for-profit book for himself. 
And he wanted to have, he wanted to get the confession out of Cesar just to make a high selling book. That, that was his mission to begin with. Hmm. He ends up getting to the end of his research on the book and talking to Cesar and he, he changes his mind, has a change of heart. Um, that's his account now. Yeah. And like I said, I thought it was just really interesting that this is something that's interesting in general about these, any of these topics is sometimes it's just the tone of voice that you hear a fact that will sway an opinion one way or the other. Mm -hmm. Because the first time I heard that Moldea was the godfather to Caesar's children, it was said more like, you know, he's the godfather to his kids. And I was like, he's what? (laughs) Then... Within a day, I'm listening to another interview, and Moldea is like, "Yeah, I'm the godfather to his kids," and I was kind of like, "Yeah, what's the big deal?" It's not what you say; it's how you say it. It is, yeah. Huh. So anyway, I was just going to say that's that's a great point of kind of where we were talking earlier, where whereas that America's Untold Stories feels like strong black coffee, yeah, and the one I found RFK tapes is a little bit more like cream and sugar, um, but they give you some of the same information i so answering what i yeah, i'm what sorry I think, I no no i, I think that's, that's exactly what i wanted to bring up i uh, did thing caesar's caesar i don't know how they say it caesar looks like caesar to me some of them call him gene caesar. caesar gene i i guess maybe he had more to do with it than we thought I, I don't know either way i do think he fired his gun i think that he probably accidentally or if you look at the autopsy information very likely that Caesar shot him in the back of the head (laughs) because it clearly shows that Kennedy was shot in the back of the head. Right. And, uh, Sirhan never got close to him. But the problem I have with the Thane Caesar theory, like if he was, if that was the deal, if he was, so he's, he knows what's going on. He knows I'm walking behind Kennedy and someone's going to come at him to try to shoot him. And then I'm going to actually shoot him while that's going on. He, he had to have been in the line of fire and the only thing stopping him from getting hit would be Kennedy. Now maybe he's he, maybe he's a cowboy and he said, "Ah, I can do it. Let me, I'll stand right behind him. Yeah, sure. Be perfectly fine. But, uh, it's a bit, it's a bit rolling the dice, except, except that if you've shot a pistol, you know, that at a certain range, you're pretty safe. Like you're still not totally safe, but yeah, I still don't want to be. I'm just saying. I thought I thought of it <laughs> on from that my end mind. Of the if, if I if I was standing, if I had somebody in front of me, yeah, and I know the guy's 20 feet away or whatever, probably not going to hit me. I mean, yeah. even if he was aiming at me, he might not hit me. But either way, that does. That's my problem with that theory is that he must have known that a an assassin would be shooting right at him, mm-hmm. and that's pretty strong roll of the dice absolutely or or maybe maybe things didn't go down the way they were supposed to yeah you know maybe he was just told at some point guns are going to start firing and then you just shoot kennedy and run or whatever Mm -hmm. maybe he wasn't ever supposed to get that close to him or something like that i don't know but yeah that could be um i would imagine well uh what's the mike baker that was on yeah he made the comment that you know an operation never goes to plan you got to just kind of know that going into it call audibles yeah as needed um so yeah it could be that sirhan coming up where he did isn't exactly the plan i mean you're hypnotizing the guy you're not you're not giving directives to a willing operative right yeah so gosh i never really thought about the fact that yeah if if i were 
in cahoots with the CIA. And if I didn't like the Kennedys, if I got put on a mission like this, they're like, Hey, we need you to be a part of this assassination. Take out this guy that you'd want to take out. And I were like, great. And they're like, you might get shot. (laughs) Yeah. There's going to be a guy coming at you. Now he's going to be shooting some bullets too. So pay attention to that. Try not to get caught. I think I'd think another way about it. Um, I did just on the way over here, hear a comment about all this that, you know, you talk about, John Kennedy's route being changed to in front of the book depository. Um, apparently, Robert Kennedy was not supposed to go through that kitchen. No, uh, he wasn't. The he was security to to the exit. And, yeah. Now that my understanding is, it was like his security staff and one of his advisors, guys that are his people, kind of at the last second took him through the kitchen, which is I don't know what to do with that. I'm that, just saying it wouldn't be. Uh, yeah, I could see it wouldn't be hard to just go up to one of his advisors and say, "Hey, the entrance to the front is blocked. You should probably take him through the okay." This, you yeah, know, sure. You've been in concerts and oh, clubs absolutely, where it's like, yeah. I could see if I was security, if somebody came up to me, an official, and just said, "You need to go," you, you know, through the back instead of the side. You would just Quick, do it, even if they were just said, "It's quicker to go." Through yeah, the yeah. Back, you would go, just oh, do it. well, yeah, let's get out of here. So there, there, there had to have been people orchestrating the whole thing because, mm-hmm. uh, you know. Again, these coincidences stack up to a point where it just becomes absurd that we're all supposed to believe this nonsense. But yeah, it's funny. (laughs) So I I don't know if that buttons up RFK or not. There's, you know, listeners, you can um, conspiracy dads out there, you can dig in. There's lots. We'll link to some of these other great podcasts. Um, I I still, you know, I I I find myself just knowing that. it's it's just obvious that he was killed, and I do, I do agree that I don't think that I think even the most charitable look at Sir Sir Han would be he doesn't remember at this point he does not remember shooting Kennedy. Now that could be because he was blackout drunk, it could be because because he was very drunk, you know, or it could small be small guy. Yeah, he's a small guy. He just drank four Tom Collins in about forty five minutes. So yeah, he was drunk. <laughs> That'll do it. <laughs> he was blackout drunk, and uh, a woman in a polka dot dress, uh, you know led him through the pantry and who knows if she whispered in his ear, go shoot Kennedy. I don't know. Yeah. Maybe he was just really drunk and just stumbled he, forward and said, great, yeah. you know, yeah. I'll try. I'll um, try. <laughs> but uh, the, how deep it goes, it, that's not really what I think about because I, I want listeners to take away, I want the conspiracy dads of the world to take away from this, what we said at the top of this, which was, this is the baseline. This is... How far and how deep will they go? So when we dig into these other things, you can always go back to this because we're pretty sure that this is what happened or, or that there's a conspiracy. We're pretty sure that, yes, there's a conspiracy and it's obvious that there's a conspiracy here. So that'll be helpful when someone says, you know, you know, uh, Joe Biden is a reptilian. You could go, <laughs> is that, is, is, let's think about the baseline. I think that is a little bit you know, far-fetched. Mm-hmm. That'd be a little bit, that's enough to make your radars go, eh, I don't think so. But if, uh, I'm trying to think of like a lesser conspiracy, that would be something somebody well, would say, but. I mean, like an Epstein sort of situation. Yeah. Oh yeah. That, that's pretty plausible. It's obvious. you look into it. Yes. <laughs> With, by my standard, it's just silly to even consider anything right. else. Yeah. I mean, you're just, just trying to think of a good example of with RFK and JFK being the litmus test, how plausible is Epstein? Yes. Very much so. Seth right. Rich. I don't even know who that is. Seth Rich is a DNC staffer who was shot at five o'clock in the morning. He leaked all the WikiLeaks stuff to Snowden. Oh. You remember that? Well, I remember Snowden. Yeah. So this was during the, 
uh, twenty was it twenty twenty election or the twenty sixteen? I can't remember. I'd have to I'll, we'll dig into it because that is another conspiracy. But uh, yeah, he was shot in the morning at uh, basically people think Hillary had him whacked. So it was sixteen, <laughs> right? That would have been sixteen. I believe so. Yeah. yeah. Um, he he, but he was the guy that the staffer that was leaking uh, stuff to Snowden and um, wasn't robbed. Ooh, dicey right booth. outside of his apartment, yeah. you know, he's on the. Uh, the body count website, whatever that's called. I can't remember the name. Of oh, it. is it like a Clinton body? Yeah. Count yeah. Yeah. He's okay. one of those that like everyone goes like, Oh, convenient for you that he's not around anymore. Hmm. Um, so make, make this the, uh, the, what do we want to call it? The Kennedy, like the baseline Kennedy, baseline? yeah. Kennedy baseline. Is okay. A good, yeah. It'll bring us, it'll keep us all from spiraling too far down the rabbit hole for now, for now. <laughs> 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 Until because this will be another one we get into uh, is is the UFOs and pay attention to what's going on there because uh, there there was a did you ever hear that Israeli the former Israeli Israeli uh, space program director that came out like a year ago and he's like full blown okay this guy was putting satellites into space for Israel and he's eighty and he says now. Uh, there are multiple races of aliens that have been have, in contact yeah, with the government. This, yeah. We've been working with them, with the Galactic Federation of what's, what's, what's for like 50, 60 years. And Roswell was real and all that. And uh, so he says, they walk amongst us. They look like us. They sound like us. They're not us. That guy, that's what he said. And uh, so that seems a little far-fetched to me, but... Yeah. I've also seen UFOs. I just don't know if they're aliens. I just don't know. I'm not, I, I don't know what they are. I don't, I, I just know that it's, you know, not an airplane. Oh, man. So I was, uh, it's earlier today. I was a little concerned that we might run out of topics because we've gone, I mean, we start with JFK, which is kind of like, if you ask man on the street, name a conspiracy theory, JFK, yeah, that's a go-to RFK. Okay. Well, pretty easy connection to go from one to the next and today i was kind of like wow man what if we run out of like what if we get four weeks into this and we go uh yetis i don't know what do we do next man there's so there's but it's endless yeah i mean when you talk about this podcast committees yeah (laughs) and you could start to dissect layers dude inside we we meant to come back to rfk and get into some of the nuts and bolts and we hardly Easily touched any of it. Derailed. And yeah, Easily. if you you want to talk about just uh, just about Surahan's defense attorney, I mean that's an episode by yes. itself. Talk, you're talking about. We didn't even talk about Dorothy uh, Kilgallen Which and one? JFK's. Uh, she's a journalist that was whacked after interviewing Jack Ruby. Oh no! And she's like, okay. you know, we don't even know her name now, but. Um, we can talk more about her in the next one, but yeah, like you could just do a whole podcast on like some of these her little and, side pieces of yeah. people. These because she wasn't just kinda, it wasn't like she was just a jerk. Like same as that. Like these <laughs> people are interconnected. Do you hear I talking about JFK? I said side pieces. That's pretty good. Nice. <laughs> the uh, each one of them, like it's like oh, she was a journalist that wrote about Jack Ruby, and then she got whacked. But well, she was also friends with Kennedy, and she was friends with Marilyn Monroe, and she was yeah, kind of okay. public. like there's all these different layers that you go. It's not just one. I mean, you could do a whole podcast on people think that Robert Kennedy had Marilyn Monroe killed, you know, hmm. and so it's anyway. I don't think we will exhaust 
the yeah. depths of yeah. conspiracy dad t- territory because it's going to be a minute. Uh, we could just start making things up. That's true. Yeah. <laughs> just like the moon landing. Just, see how you can get, they, they're see how easy that idea is to come up with. If yeah. you're like kind of at a loss, you go, let's just make it up. Yeah. Yeah. That's what we always said about the simulation hypothesis is that, uh, well, if it's true, then it's anything's, everything's Absolutely. on the table. Absolutely. Everything's yeah. on the table. Yeah. Like, uh, sky's the limit. Yeah. Ghosts, UFOs, aliens, all of it, all these crazy, you know, quirky connections, synchronicities in history. Mm-hmm. It's just, uh, lazy writing. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> all right. Well, thank you for uh, joining me this week on Conspiracy Dad. If you uh, like the podcast, we'd love if you left us a review on iTunes. Again, I'm sorry that this is only on audio because my kids screwed up the iPad. Uh, We will be back in video hopefully next week. And um, yeah, please subscribe, share, like, all that stuff. And we'll see you next week. Cut. That was pretty good.